Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Workers' Mic right here on 720 WGN, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor. My name is Ken Edwards uh, with the MCL. Uh, sitting to my left is Ed Maher, as usual, with the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. Good morning, Ed. Good morning, Ken. How's it going? It's pretty good. I'd rather be home on Father's Day, but, uh, you know, here we are. We are both fathers. That's right. Yes. But uh, we've got important work to do here today. Yep. And... Uh, and we, I want to get right to it because I know we, we have a packed show today, uh-huh. but I know that you went to uh, another writers and, and SAG after picket. Right. So the screenwriters uh, held uh, like an international day of solidarity. And uh, so in Chicago, what that looked like was on Thursday, there was a, a demonstration outside of CBS over by Daily Plaza where you had... Uh, the writers, you had SAG-AFTRA right. and, um, you know, other unions that were out there in support just, uh, you know, holding signs and calling for a fair contract. And it seems like um, SAG-AFTRA and the writers obviously have a lot in common, right? It's, it sounds yeah. like their their wagons are, are hitched a bit. And, yeah. and, and I, I, I got to say, I just want to get right to this. SAG-AFTRA, mm-hmm. Writers Guild, yep, Directors Guild. Um, All have contracts IATSE, that are expiring. Uh, Teamsters, anybody that's working in this industry. You're going up against multinational, multi-trillion-dollar industries, and you're doing it by yourselves, yeah. one, at, one at a time. Yeah, it, I mean, you can go up against multinationals and win. It's been proven many times that you can, but you have to. Uh, you've got to band together. The, th- the first three unions that you mentioned were the Writers SAG-AFTRA and the Directors Guild. Yeah. So the Writers contract expired uh, at the end of April. Um, I want to say the yeah. Screen Actors, their contract expires at the end of June, as does uh, the Directors Guild. So the idea is that you wouldn't just have writers on strike. You'd have writers, you'd have actors, you'd have directors. So nothing can happen. It would, everything would come to a screeching, screeching halt. Right. And, you know, unfortunately, in my humble opinion, uh, the Directors Guild, which I think is probably the smallest out of all of mm-hmm. them, um, cut a deal yeah. with the, uh, what is it, what's it called, AM... P T blah blah blah. What <laughs> say a couple like, more letters. I don't know. It's like A M T T blah yeah. Amta blah blah whatever. And, and that is like the they Nambla. have an association. No, did you just say Nambla? Nambla. Oof. Oof. So, um, <laughs> um, listen, they have an association, right? The the corporations, right, which are all by themselves big enough to take on most of the entire world. They got together and they formed a coalition. So when they bargain, they bargain as a coalition. Yeah. You're, you're not talking like you're literally bringing a knife to a gunfight. So what I'm saying is, first of all, you should all get together. Yeah. Right. I mean, this is my opinion. You know, like, look, we have uh, building trades. We have that happens contract, all the time. Contracts with the city of Chicago. Right. We have the what's called the coop agreement. All the building trades negotiate together. Right. Makes sense. Um, strength in numbers. But the Directors Guild cut a deal. I mean, the Directors Guild has a, a reputation of being sort of a company union, Oof. meaning, Oof. And, and that's that's what I heard from folks that were out on the street the other day. Because my thought on it is, in with by the end of June, you're going to have directors, actors, writers all out of work. You can unite together and yeah. bargain together because the idea for the for the motion picture industry would be to try to cut a sweetheart deal with one, of course, and then say, hey, these folks are coming back to work. You need to cut a deal soon. And then shove it down everybody else's throat. Right. And it, it appears like that's what they've started to do because they reached an agreement with uh, the directors that I think the Directors Guild members uh, have to vote on. They're voting, I believe they're voting right now, and I'm not sure if there's a mail ballot or it's internet, but there is a movement um, to vote no. And, mm-hmm. I, and I got to tell you something. Um, one of the, in my humble opinion, a poison pill in that agreement because now that they are voting they put the agreement out in public and i you know i'm not going to get into the weeds of whether the money is good bad and different i don't know i don't care um not that i don't care but i think they make good money the the poison pill is ai 
right? And you know what the agreement says? I'm I'm paraphrasing, Uh but it says this about AI. Yeah. If we want to use AI, uh, we'll talk to you. Oh, okay. That's it. We'll talk to you. Yeah. So, so let's. So like if I'm going to fire you, I'll okay, tell so you. Okay. So you're so you're Steven Spielberg. Hi, right? hi Ken. My name is Steven. Nice hey, to meet you. Yeah, I'm the AMTT. Blah blah blah. Hey, uh, we're going to use uh, AI. End of discussion. But what, no, no, but, no, that's it. No, that's it. That, that's it. We're done. We're, I just, I just uh, fulfilled my contractual obligations. We just had a discussion, but it was in the hallway. Yeah, yeah. that sounds no. like a, a really, really terrible. Um, yeah. Hey, hey, DGA, vote no on this contract for that exact reason. Yeah. A discussion is not negotiations. A discussion is. It literally could be you're sitting next to somebody in the stall next to you and go, "Hey, by the way, uh, we're going to be using uh, AI to replace you." What? No, you're not. Uh, you can't. Right. We have a contract. Yeah, your contract says discussion. Yeah. And discussion is not negotiations. You should vote no on that contract. Yeah, and and I know SAG, the Screen Actors Guild, they're they're standing pretty strong here. And I think they understand that the reality here is they have the power to tell the studios, hey, you think you can do this without writers? Yeah. Let's see you do it without writers and actors. And that's exactly the way that they should be taking this, because this is a serious fight. Yeah. And uh, I, I love to see the solidarity. I'm just hoping uh, everybody stays strong. And It um, would be great if the Directors Guild votes no, gets together with the Screen Actors Guild and the Writers Guild, and they all get on the same page and they all push for the same thing so getting into what we what we have to look forward to on today's show uh over the next couple of weeks we're going to be focusing on some of the professionals that are promoting healthcare for uh union members yep. and just in the healthcare field around the midwest so so we're gonna wait we're gonna we're gonna stop second guessing the entertainment industry unions well i think we second guess them and we will we will continue to second guess them uh, as we have for the last month um but uh, on today's show we are going to have maria romano she's with premise health she's the vice president of health equity uh, and medical informatics, talking about some really, really interesting things like food insecurity and and, and what health that, equity and things means. That you've been talking about for a couple of months now, yeah, right? and, and about children, you know, not being able to afford school lunches. Right. And so stick stick around for that segment that's coming up next because uh, you'll learn a lot. I you know I expect that uh, that I will as well. Um, and then after that, we'll have uh, Adam Dell. He's the director of emotional well being at uh, Notre Dame Wellness Center, and that's going to be about mental health. Uh, which he's we could also all, with Premise, right? Right, with yeah. Premise Health. So we could learn uh, you know we can learn a lot from him. But stick with us. It's going to be a great show today, and uh, we'll be right back on 720 WGN. You're listening to The Worker's Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back, everyone, to The Worker's Mic right here on 720 WGN, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor. I'm Ken. Sitting next to me is Ed. And as we were talking earlier, we are very pleased to welcome to our show Maria Romano from Premise Health. Welcome, Maria. Happy to be here. Hey, so tell us real quick what you are the vice president of health equity and medical informatics with Premise Health. With Premise Health, correct? Exactly. And that's exactly. And, and that is an that's an enormous title <laughs> with a, with a lot of big words. So <laughs> let's start with this. Um, first of all, where where are you from, by the way? Uh, originally, I grew up in Connecticut, uh, but I am now based out of Miami. Ooh, very nice. Nice. Good for you. Lucky you. Smart, smart move. Yeah. Get 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 away from the cold. So health equity is kind exactly. of a health equity is kind of a buzzword. I, I hear a lot more in the healthcare industry. Uh, how can you can you explain to us what uh, health equity means? Absolutely. Um, I, I spend my days doing this. Uh, you will you'll often find that people say equality and equity, and they they mean the sa- they think they mean the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but equality really means everyone gets the same resource or the same opportunity. Um, but the same resource or opportunity doesn't necessarily 
fit for everybody. So the way I like to explain equity is if um, equality, let's go to equality, actually. Um, If everybody gets the same bicycle, Mm -hmm. some people might find it too big. Some people might find it too small and some might not even be able to ride it. But if we were able to give everybody a bike that's tailored to their needs, everybody could ride. Yeah. And so equity is understanding what people need interesting and, yeah. And giving them, yeah giving them what they need to enjoy a healthy life each individual so as opposed each to individual. so as opposed to one-stop shopping or one-size-fits-all your model is and i think premises model and, and i think this bears out through our health centers is you're talking to that particular individual member that's coming in and you're seeing what he or she or the kids or whoever needs themselves and then you go from there Exactly. Yeah, it's exactly. it's it is a um, it's not a fee for service model, right? Like, explain explain that, like the the difference between a premise health center and somebody going to you know the a doctor's office, for example. So you know when when people say fee for service, there, there's a huge difference. There's fee for service. Yep. And that's the traditional model, mm-hmm. and then what ours is the value based model. So. It's a critical difference. In a fee-for-service model, um, providers are getting paid to uh, uh, every test and procedure that they order, they make more money. Right. Um, That leads to unnecessary treatments, driving up costs. Um, And in contrast, what Premise Health does is we're a value-based model, and we get rewarded um, for our services that are quality-based and quality-focused on health outcomes instead of individual tests. I think when, um, and that's a really good explanation. I think when Stu Clark was on uh, a few months ago, he said, you know, it's not the traditional, what do they call it, uh, the uh, doorknob? Yeah, the doorknob hanger or something like that. Yeah, like a, yeah. the doctor's hand is on the doorknob. He comes in for a second, looks at you and goes, yeah, yeah, everything's good. I'll see you later. And and he, hey, doc, I, my, yeah. my, my heart's beating kind of I'll see you later. Right, yeah, <laughs> make, another, make another appointment. Yeah, talk to my secretary. You know, so, yeah. Exactly. So, so one of the things that we want to, turn your attention to and and want you to to discuss is something that we've been discussing here for a a while now, and that is uh, food insecurity, and particularly Mm -hmm. as it relates to children and Mm -hmm. the the free meal programs and and Ed. Ed, Yeah, so so I know, Maria, one of the things that I had read about your work was that food insecurity is, is one of your major focuses, and we've talked on this show several times about uh, over the past few months, I think now it's six states have passed laws to give universal access to free lunches in elementary schools. And this is something that children have been gathering and taking collective action to secure for their, their friends and their classmates that they know don't have resources to do this. But um, the federal government, the, uh, the, the House GOP, actually just put out something this week that said one of their goals for next year is going to be banning these free lunch programs uh, because they're abused and people who don't need free lunches, who can afford to buy lunches, are going to be getting free lunches. And, and I mean, the, the whole idea sounds crazy to me because, um, you know, and we're talking about kids in school here needing food and nutrition to be able to perform and function and learn. Um, but I mean, uh, you know, in, in the larger the, the larger kind of universe here, um, you know, how does food insecurity work into, into healthcare in your practice? Well, that's, that's a great question. You know, food insecurity is one of the parts what we what we refer to as the social determinants of health. So where where are you born? Where do you live? Where do you learn? Where do you work? Where do you play? Where do you pray? Right? All of those things are called, you know, S D O H. And so S D S D O H. So social determinants of health. Social determinants of health. I I like that. And and so all that stuff factors into 
your health as when and that's, let me just stop it for a quick second you wouldn't think that like hey where i'm born or where i live has have anything to do with you know how long i'm going to live or what my health is but you're saying that that's that's not accurate they're actually it's okay. all, all this stuff affects your health all of this affects your health you know the, the there's research that supports that 50 to 80 percent of health outcomes mm-hmm. um is affected by your social determinants of health wow so yeah, so we're talking about the fact that your zip code is now more important than your genetic code wow. when we talk about preventing disease, eradicating disease, um, or even you know treating it. That's, and, a, that's, and yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. If, if we, yeah, if we keep if right now Deloitte just published a study and they said that it's costing us three hundred and twenty billion dollars a year because we're not addressing health inequity. That's and it, if we if we continue to ignore it, yep. um, we're going to be at one trillion by twenty forty. Wow! So so your your approach and, and premises approach, quite frankly, and I think we bear, this bears out in our our health centers is that you're looking at these social determinants and 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 using that to provide healthcare. Correct? Absolutely. We ask questions. You know, we've we've pivoted from just going you know hand on the doorknob, right? Yep. We've pivoted. We ask questions that you wouldn't typically hear in in a in a normal office out in the community. We ask things like, um, do you have do you have the resources to pay your electric bill? Right. What's your housing situation looking like right now? Yeah. What What about access to healthy foods? Our goal is not to just hey here's a pill good luck with that. Mm-hmm. We're trying to get to the root cause and and change lives. So 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 back to back to the food, so I'm sorry to talk over you, but back to the food insecurity. So that would I assume that would not only affect obviously the kid, but it's got to affect the parents as well, right? If they are if their kids are insecure about food, chances are I would assume that means that they are as well, and that they might not have the money Absolutely. to care for their kids as well as they should or could. That's got to cause stress. It's got to cause time off of work, and I mean it's got to cause a plethora of issues. Can you speak to that? Yeah. Absolutely. You know, it's a resource strain, you know, and when we talk about um, health equity and we talk about this sandwich generation where, um, you know, people are having children at a, at a later age and now they're taking care of not only their children, but their parents. Yeah. Um, and that, that stress, that financial resource strain is hitting hard. And there are about six million Americans that are dealing with that right now. So, at premise, what we did is we partnered with the largest social care network in the country, Find Help, H-E-L-P. Yep. And I, the way you can access the resource that we built with them is if you go to the website, findhelp.premisehealth.com. Okay. And if you did that right now, you would put in your zip code, right? Remember I told you zip codes are really important these days. Yeah. You can put in your zip code and you can find resources. I believe right now they have over 650,000 uh, resources available throughout the country that address food, pa- you know, food insecurity. So we have food pantries. Yeah. They address behavioral health. They address housing. They address uh, disease states. They even have resources for um, like legal assistance. So you can find just about anything using your zip code. I encourage you to go check it out. It's, it's a great resource and a great partnership. That's that's really that's really really cool. I didn't know it existed. And then you know this is once again you know thanks for coming on and, and talking about this thing because people probably don't know that this exists. And you can probably everybody's got a cell phone. You can get on this, your cell phone and go get it right. 
And exactly. I, I think it's really interesting to remember, too, that, you know, there are zip codes where people's medical concerns for their children are uh, getting them braces so they can have nice straight teeth. And then a few miles away, uh, it could be trying to find a way to provide three meals for their for their children. So if you're trying to talk to this kid who needs who doesn't get three meals about, you know, keeping his teeth clean or getting his teeth straightened, you're, you're not talking to them at their level. So this I, I, I really understand this uh, theory of equity. And I think it's it's great work that you're doing. Yeah, we, we really appreciate what you're doing. I think premise, um, you guys are, as Stu has said, you're trying to disrupt healthcare. And, you know, we're seeing the results here at our clinics. I know that the carpenters, uh, electricians, and various other unions are starting to build the, their own clinics. The MCL, mm-hmm. obviously, is going to partner or has partnered with you guys, and we're building clinics as we speak. So all of this stuff is a, a great place to get your healthcare, I think, instead of the normal, like you said, uh, you know, whatever it's called, value-based or whatever that's fee-for-service, fee for right. sorry. Um yeah. And yeah, so th- this is this is really cool. It's really important. If they want to find it, if they want to find anything else out, like where would they? Where else would they always go? Premise dot com or like talk to me about that. Yeah, yes. Yeah, so premisehealth.com. dot mm-hmm. um, You're you can access it from any website, and you can learn more about uh, what our company does. And you know what I do is one small part of of all the other things that we are the disruptor of healthcare. We are, we are on the right side of healthcare uh, and everybody that um, contributes through our, through our company. We're looking, we're looking to change things. It has to change. We don't have a choice. It absolutely has to change. And, and, you know, kudos to the unions and the building trades, especially that recognize this and are building these centers for their members because we're seeing results. I mean, there's no question about it that we're seeing my own personal story, which we, you know, we'll get into. Um, but yeah, we're, we're seeing results uh, directly from this model. So we really appreciate your taking the time to come on the show with us. Um, we've been talking to Maria Romano, who's the Vice President of Health Equity and Medical Informatics for Premise Health. Um, so thank you very much, Maria, for taking the time. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. We will be right back uh, with more of the Workers' Mic right here on 720 WGN. You're listening to the Workers' Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back, everybody, to the Workers' Mic right here on 720 WGN. And uh, we're very excited to introduce Dr. Adam Dell, uh, who is a clinical psychologist and the Director of Emotional Well-Being at the Notre Dame Wellness Center for Premise Health. So welcome. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Adam. Dr. Dell. Pardon me. What what would you rather, Adam or Dr. Dell? Dr. Dell. Dr. Dell sounds pretty cool. It does. Yeah. Double D. Dr. Dell. Dr. Dell. And he's also a father. He's also a, a father first, right? On Father's Day. Yeah, right? yeah. Yep. Well, and I'll tell you, before I came to Premise, I served for almost seven years in the Air Force. So I was Captain and then Major Dell. And those are pretty cool titles as Major well. Major Dell. Major Dell sounds even cooler than Dr. <laughs> Dell. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but today, the most important title you have is Dad. Yeah, good for you. Happy That's Father's it. Day. That is it. Thank you, guys. So, so we're, here to talk, we're here to talk about behavioral health, right? And... Um, and and what premise does and how you provide that to um, our constituents and and your you know where you work and I know you work at a, uh, the Notre Dame office um, but it, this is sort of uh, premise wide if you will is uh, we're starting to see more and more of our clinics especially here in, in Chicagoland and, and the unions start to add behavioral health to um, part of the benefits and you know just o- overarching like what does that mean in plain English. Well, that's a good question. You know, I, I think uh, 
a lot of times when when people in general, maybe men in particular, think about mental health or, or behavioral health, um, oftentimes we think about it almost from a medical model standpoint. You know, you, you think about someone who may have developed a constellation of symptoms um, that might, you know, look an awful lot like depression or, or anxiety, and then, you know, they might seek health care on the basis of wanting to ameliorate that. Uh, sort of like like we'd go to a doctor for a number of other health-related concerns, saying, hey, this has popped up, and I don't like it, and, uh, you know, I'd like a diagnosis and some treatment for this. One of the things I learned, you know, immediately after getting my degree as an officer in the Air Force, and then certainly in an organization like Premise, where we're so passionate about helping people to get, be, and stay well, is it's, it's as much about sort of driving down the unwanted symptoms uh, as it is increasing uh people in the direction of flourishing explain that what is it what does that mean you're, you're yeah like are people actually coming in to see you and saying hey uh doctor i you know i think i'm depressed or i'm anxious um or or you know, is it is it yeah. the this sort of referral from down the hall which I, you know, I think I hate to say it, but for us in the building trades, and you know, we're, we're sort of where we, our world, the workers might, yeah. you know, predominantly blue collar. You know, there's a stigma attached to going to see a psychologist or getting mental health help. And you know, can can you speak to that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. So you know, I, one of the things that really attracted me to premise um, among a number of other different service delivery models is, is its kind of integrated nature. So. Um, there, there is, you know, admittedly, uh, a lot of hurdles in terms of getting a referral, getting an appointment, going to sort of a, a brick and mortar specialty mental health clinic facility or, or even virtually. Uh, it can be enormously advantageous actually to take advantage of, of services from a social worker, a counselor, or a psychologist inside the same building, you know, where you would go for an annual health checkup or where you get your hypertension medication that sort of thing. I think it makes service uh, for behavioral health a lot more palatable. Right. Uh, and it's a lot more convenient. You know, it's it's uh, it's easy to access. And it takes, and so, and you know, does it take the stigma? I think it takes the stigma away a little bit because you can be going into that doctor's office that like just use, yeah. you know, any one of uh, the MCL unions, the carpenters, the electricians, the operators. We all have our, our own health centers. You could be going in there. The guy that's sitting next to you in the lobby has no idea why you're there. Right. Right. And you could be going in to see, you know, a behavioral health specialist or more importantly, you could be going in to see, you know, the doctor for your checkup and they ask certain questions and they say, hey, maybe you should walk down the hall for a second and go see Dr. Dell. Right. Right. I mean, does that happen in your world, doctor? That's exactly it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, I'm I'm fortunate to work with just some of the highest caliber uh, physicians and mid-level providers I've ever worked with at at my site in particular. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, many of the folks that are established in care there, they really trust and respect and have a a history with these docs. And, uh, and therefore, there's just instant credibility. Yeah, um, and then and then there is that anonymity, right? It's sort of like I can come check in for an appointment, and nobody really needs to know why I'm there. Now, what's interesting is once they get back into our office, um, oftentimes the the conversation starts with something that's painful and present, you know. So it is, 
hey, I've got insomnia, I'm not sleeping, or it's, you know, I'm drinking a lot, uh, or I, I need to quit smoking, I need to lose weight, I have sadness or anxiety, or even, Did you look through my file? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow. Exactly. I, I won't get into the dream analysis we were doing earlier, but... Uh, <laughs> Stop you. trying to yeah, get free, but, free treatment, Ken, come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. You know what's so fascinating, though, is, as a man, just as a human being, I think, you know, oftentimes people are there, and we, we start the conversation there, but I think what 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 is the true gift of therapy for for me and why I've been so fortunate to work in this field for 20 years in different ways is very quickly you start focusing on all right these things are here and what are they costing you right it's not, not so much like the the painful stuff that's there but like what's the avoidance and the stuff you're missing out on in terms of like not going engagement, to your kids yeah, like not, yeah, not, not, yeah, yeah. Not, and not seeing your kids play baseball because you're laying on the couch because you're hung over or just you're, you're anxious not or, waking up happy yeah right yeah. and not you that's know exactly maybe, maybe not being able to get up to go to work or being late or what yeah. uh, you know all these plethora of, of issues you know full disclosure for everybody that's listening my family is a family of social workers uh my mom uh you know to this day has her own practice and uh, you know i've been in and out of therapy pretty much my entire life yeah and i hate to say it but it works i'll tell you i'll tell you the same i mean i've got no shame in my game i've uh, throughout my life gone in and out of therapy and i'd recommend it to absolutely anybody yeah it's just like going to college i just like there's no real downside to it no right? what's the worst that can happen is you you talk talk through some things and you know for sure that's it. but you know back to back to the behavioral health and, and how premise does it you know you guys are different right so you're not sending somebody out and going okay i'm going to give you a, a referral of these three providers and go pick one and and you know, we wish you luck right right you're actually combining that with the service that they're getting at premise health centers period correct Yes, sir. Yeah. And, you know, if you've got listeners that are a little unfamiliar uh, with what normative expectations would be, um, the the reality is, like, from a prevalence rate standpoint, about one in eight people globally have some kind of diagnosable mental health condition. That might be mild or moderate, but, you know, it's almost a billion people. Um, Furthermore, when people engage in, in therapy, if it's effective, we usually know it really quickly. And so you would get linked with a behavioral health clinician uh, who's going to offer evidence-based therapy, so like something that's informed by science and, and happens in the, in the, in the context of, of that medical facility or their virtual you know, uh, opportunities if, if folks choose to take advantage of it that way. And really, by, by five or six appointments, uh, if it's going to be effective, it probably has been. And some of the biggest predictive factors for, like, who gets better in therapy and why are, you know, folks that seek it out voluntarily. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I've certainly had the experience in my career. It's like the judge sent me here. Or right. even worse, like, my wife sent me here. It's like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> this is a lot to overcome, pal. You know, but, but also it's like, hey, you know, how motivated is this person? And also most critically is, like, the relationship between the person giving the service and the person receiving it. Like, mm-hmm. does this person seem compassionate and competent enough to be useful? And I've worked with people all over the enterprise as a champion within the behavioral health line of service. And there's just extraordinary men and women that, that work in our organization, but that's a really critical piece. So I always right. encourage folks. I used to encourage Marines and, and pilots and in the, in the DOD as well. It's like, Listen, if, if you meet with somebody, you know, social, so social psychology would say you're sizing them up within the first few minutes. Right, and if it just doesn't feel like a great fit, 
And that doesn't mean that therapy might not be a good option. It just might not be the right time or the right person. Right. Uh, and, and, and you so guys, you just did it. And first of all, nobody wants a suicidal pilot. Um, do, you, do you guys right. go back then ever, doctor, and, and go to the primary care physician and say, you know, look, I, I, I recommend, you know, therapy, talk therapy, right? But I also uh, would suggest maybe uh, that they get on, you know, um, what do they call them? SSRIs. I, I'm sure I'm going to butcher all that. Uh, but an anti-anxiety medicine or anti-depression medicine or things like that. Do you do you do you try and do this holistically? I guess is my question. Yeah, that's an enormous advantage of working in a place uh, like Premise Health. Is right. That uh, obviously there's careful confidentiality. So I would always ask for permission from someone who I was meeting with. It's like, would you mind if I on your behalf, become a consultant to your doctor yeah. to recommend some yep. lab work, recommend a sleep study, yep. uh, recommend a certain class of drug. Now, as a psychologist, I would never be the one prescribing right. that. Right. But what an advantage, right, to be able to say, let's take a multidisciplinary approach. Uh, you think about something like depression, for example. Sometimes people are very, very depressed because their thyroid is wonky or wow. they're very, very depressed because it's the time of the year and they don't have enough sunlight exposure. Other times people go through something horrific and they develop depression, uh, but it's, it's helpful for us to be able to take a multidisciplinary approach to optimize flourishing for folks as quickly as we can and kind of get them back to work in life where they can build a meaningful life. So, I mean... I think what I what I heard you say earlier is that being open to the process, somebody being open to treatment, open to the idea of therapy leads to better outcomes, leads to quicker outcomes. And I think that everybody, you know, everybody's gone through something in their life where, you know, they feel like uh, they're they're just not feeling quite right. They're like a water bottle with the, the cap not screwed on quite straight. But being open to this uh, and thinking about therapy in, in sort of a positive, helpful way um, is important. I think COVID did a lot to normalize therapy where everyone was struggling more and there was a shortage of therapists because everyone was going to therapy. Um, but another problem that that created was it created long wait times to be able to get in to see someone, especially for kids. Um, and there, there was uh, some coverage on 60 Minutes a couple of weeks ago about the massive number of uh, teenagers, especially teenage females, uh, who are being admitted to the hospital for suicidal thoughts and things like that um, because they can't get in to see someone or don't know to see someone. But when, when we're talking about a premise healthcare center, if you go in to see a doctor, they see something that's a problem, they can send you down the hall to a therapist right then and there. So you're eliminating this, I have to make a call, I have to find someone, I have to decide that I like them, and I have to make an appointment, then I have to show up. Yeah, if you jump through all those hoops to right. do something that you might not really want to do anyway. Right, you're taking you're taking right. all those steps out of it, which, let's, let's be honest, if somebody's dealing with anxiety or depression, every step you add to the process is greatly in, enhancing the, uh, the odds that they're just not going to go through with it. Yeah. So so he so Ed just basically told everybody your entire system for you. So thanks. You're welcome, Doctor I mean, Doctor Ed. Doctor Ed. I <laughs> so uh, Doctor Dell. All, all yeah, seriousness, what Ed, yeah. what Ed said I believe is true, and and you know we uh, we talked earlier uh, with um, Maria Romano who talked about health equity and and why premise is such a in my opinion, a, a disruptor in healthcare, right? And and this is, it's a huge piece of it because I know personally how debilitating anxiety, depression can be. Like, you can, it affects every single aspect of your life. And, and you guys 
you know, kudos to premise for for realizing that you take this holistic approach, and it's not like like we said. What, what do we call it? doorknob medicine, yeah, right? Door hanger medicine. Yeah, the guy's got his hand on the doorknob and he wants to leave. Next, you know, it, yeah, next, and and so the the fee for service, and and so you guys have this kind of holistic approach, which which we think it, number one is smart. Number two, I also think it's working. Right. Uh, we've we've heard great you know stories from our members uh, that use our clinics, um, and it seems it seems to be working. So, what's your experience been like? You know, with premise, do you think it's is working on your end? Oh, it's a, it's a tremendous privilege to work there, um, and uh, and again, like I, I would actually having come from more of a Department of Defense background, uh, which was very much integrated, you know, behavioral health model, um, where I worked in women's health clinics, pediatrics clinics, yeah. internal medicine clinics, et cetera. I, I would never want to work in a place that isn't built and structured like Premise. I, I do think Premise is more personal, more accessible. Uh, it, you know, it, it allows folks to have more access with more value. Right. Um, and the fact that it's kind of in many sites embedded, right, you know, co-located where, where people are for the most part, or just a really seamless virtual option. Yeah. Obviously there's just tremendous advantages to that. Um, uh, I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, you hit the nail on the head like it's a it's a comfort feeling it's comfortable to go into your own union hall and go to the doctor right you you feel comfortable there and like i've always joked but i'm serious like at at ours at the operators there's pictures of cranes on the wall not Mm -hmm. clowns right you know cranes not clowns so so listen um we got to we got to cut this off because we're running out of time. Yeah. But I, I just want to um, say, first of all, if you just uh, joined us, we're, we're talking to Dr. Adam Dell um, from Premise Health, and he's in charge of the behavioral health for one of the clinics out in Notre Dame. Um, I think you made a, a, a bunch of really salient points. And uh, and if you're listening, if you have any problems, you know, in this regard, or think you do, then um, there's you know, resources out. out there. There's a ton of resources yeah, out there. Don't hesitate. Yeah, please don't hesitate. Call. Um, Doctor, thank you so much for coming on uh, the Workers' Mike. We really appreciate it. Oh, thanks a lot, gentlemen. Yeah. All right. Listen, we will be right back with more of the Workers' Mike right here on 720 WGN. You're listening to the Workers' Mike, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back, everybody, to the Workers' Mike here on 720 WGN. Uh, we certainly enjoyed having a couple of uh, really interesting guests on the show today. Would you uh, think, yeah, that, that was awesome. I really, really informative and, and really different, you know. And, and once again, you know, I, got, I just got to say, you know, and, and obviously we didn't invent this, but we certainly bought into it very quickly when we understood it, and right. now it's growing in leaps and bounds in labor around the country. But it's labor unions, you know, entering into a different model of yeah. providing health care to their members and their families and making a difference. And I think an enormous difference. You know, I know personally, you know, you'll hear my story one day, but, you know, an absolute difference uh, right. in our members' lives. And it's, you know, it's unions doing it. It's labor doing it. Um, you don't see it in the for-profit, you know, corporate America world. You're seeing it right here. And working class people are doing it. So, you know, kudos to the unions for doing it. I do know, think that uh, again. that folks who aren't a member of the union, aren't a member of the MCL, who, uh, you know, took an interest, especially in, in some of the things that Dr. Adam Dell, the uh, clinical psychologist, was talking about. Yeah. If I could leave everybody with one thought here, it's that if you've ever felt like maybe you need to talk to somebody, but you think that you shouldn't, or there's some reason that you're afraid to do it, um, just get out and do it. When it comes to mental health, 
life's rough, and uh, sometimes you uh, just need to talk to somebody. So get out there and do it. Check in with your kids. Make sure that they're doing okay. If they need to talk to somebody, make sure they have access to Absolutely. So. Absolutely. But speaking of kids, what are you going to do for Father's Day today, Ken? Um, I'm going to watch TV. Yeah. Um, and probably take a nap. You call Evan a few times and uh, he won't answer. <laughs> yeah, my, my son will be sleeping most of the day. But uh, he um, he tells me that uh, I will have a gift coming. Nice. And, and I think it may have actually arrived yesterday. So he actually sent me a gift. And actually he called me this week too, which was really unusual. So I'm very happy. What about you? Uh, I don't know. Emma says she has a surprise planned, and uh, usually when she has a surprise planned, it turns out to be pretty interesting, pretty awesome. Oh, that's She's awesome. a, a very thoughtful, you. creative kid, so I'm just, whatever we do, I don't care what we do, I'm looking you forward want, to spending the day want, with her. You want to hear two, a uh, couple of dad band names? Sure. Cialis and Chains. Is this, these are names for dad bands? Yeah. Names Cialis for- and Chains. <laughs> That's pretty funny. The Who Left This Light On? <laughs> Super Gramp? Super Gramp. Where are you coming up with these? Tom Petty and the Heart Pacers. Okay, I like it. Um, let's see. Talking Heads with Subtitles. <laughs> All right, I think, I think we've reached the, uh, the, last the end one, of the last, good ones. Last one, Depressed Mode. I like that. <laughs> Dad Halen. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for that. Ken. That was all from McSweeney's. I didn't make up a single one of those. I'm, I'm not that smart. And if you ever get a chance to read McSweeney's internet tendencies, it's just this little blurb blog or some of the funniest you, stuff on the oh internet. Oh my God. It is. It's flat out funny. So that that's where I got that. So we've got a wrap for the week, but yep. before we do, Ken, you wanted to throw a shout out. Oh yeah. Listener of the week. Uh, got a really nice phone call. Uh, saying how much she appreciated, you know, some some of the benefits through the MCL, but then she threw it at the end. She's like, "And by the way, I listen to your radio show every Sunday morning." So shout out to Don Nowak. We Thank really, you very yeah, much. Yeah, Don. We, we really appreciate the support. Very very nice. All right, we'll be back with you next week right here with the Workers Mike on seven twenty WGN. The preceding episode of the Workers Mike was powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. For additional information and podcasts of the Workers Mike, visit WGNRadio.com.